I'm Ashley Ola. I'm Jen Schneiderman. And I'm Maya Pershing. And we are here for Resident Bird Nerds, and it's booby time, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> <Woo>! Booby time! <laughs> the best time! <laughs> we just decided, we decided after the tit episode that we might as well go for the booby episode. <laughs> We are on a tit binge, and we're going to keep talking about boobies. <laughs> we we talked about some, like, sad conservation things the last couple episodes. Now we need to have some levity and silliness more than normal. Yes. So. Oh, we're mixing it I, up. I think and chill. what's sillier bird than a booby? Mm-hmm. There is no comparison. It is the silliest bird. <laughs> <laughs> at least as far as names go i am also considering that people might be slightly traumatized by us describing how we eat corn on the cob <laughs> at least myself <laughs> so mm. oh yeah i know i'm traumatized <laughs> i'm not i'm feeling proud about this <laughs> i realized as i was editing that episode that we actually don't know how ashley eats corn on the cob Ashley, would you would you share it, it with the depends. class? It depends. Um, okay. most often I will go across in a row and then rotate and then go across the next row. But sometimes I'll go like spiral around. The what do you mean of... sometimes? It just <laughs> like depends on how I feel. Is there variance within a cob? No, not normally. Although sometimes, like at the end, you know, it gets weird and the the like kernels don't um, all line up in a row. That's sort of annoying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was really hoping you were going to say something just absolutely insane. <laughs> like, just so far <laughs> beyond everything we were talking about last week. I eat one kernel at a time from a random place on the corn cob. <laughs> With chopsticks. Mm-hmm. Actually, most often, now With when chopsticks. I eat corn on the cob, I cut the corn off and ah. eat it after I cut it off. Because I don't like getting all the stuff stuck in my teeth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I live for that part. No, yeah, that's not the best part. It's like part. you're eating corn for like four hours instead of like however long it takes you to eat a corn on the cob. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That was one of the nice parts about braces. Like the only good thing about braces was that like sometimes you would get a little taste of what you ate earlier, and if it was good, you were like, "Oh fuck yeah, seconds." I feel like most of the time it would be like, "Oh, this has been in my mouth for four hours." <laughs> And it doesn't taste good anymore. I mean, I feel like I've never had braces, school, so I don't know. <laughs> Wait, this is totally not braces related, but my mom can attest to this. Apparently, when I was a little child, I would save food in my cheeks like a chipmunk. <gasps> like, I would oh just like, take it away and squirrel it away in my cheeks so that I could eat it later. Oh, what? that's adorable. Wait, no, no, no. Oh, I, need, I, I don't need... think that's adorable. I think it's gross. Okay, I agree. <laughs> I agree with Ashley. But I agree with Ashley on certain ter- So, was it like milk? Like, did you store milk in your cheek pocket? No, gross. No, no, no. Like, that's food. the worst one. <laughs> well, I know. That's why I'm asking if it was gross. I also, like, like, I don't know how long I could realistically store food in my cheeks without, like, accidentally yeah. swallowing it because, mm-hmm. yeah. I don't know. This yeah. is just what I've been told by my mom. I don't really remember my thought process, except that it probably came from about chipmunks that I used to love when I was a kid that came mm. from a stuffed Ooh. animal chipmunk. Mm-hmm. It was the cutest. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. No, I think that's valid. When Okay, so, like, today, in life, today, when you're eating food, <laughs> and you're, like, you have a mouthful of food and you're chewing it, and you realize that you actually wish you were drinking water instead of eating food. Like, what do you do? Do you, like, swallow all the food and then drink water? Or do you just, like, put it in your cheek and then drink water? Oh, cheek. Like Great. Okay. Yeah, 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 totally. I've been nice to sweep it in my cheek. Is this, like, unanimous then? <laughs> yeah, sorry. I nodded my head, which does not come through the microphone. No, unfortunately. <laughs> Okay, next um, time when you nod, you should just slam your head against the microphone. <laughs> I mean, I already sort of did that once already. I was like trying to untangle my headphone cord and just smack the microphone. Because <laughs> I'm real good at stuff. I, love I it. Coordination is our strong suit. I think we're pretty... I think the, the content of our episodes just illustrates how good we are at coordinating anything in life. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> yeah. That might not hmm. be so good. What? Oh, yeah, exactly. Okay, good. Cool. <laughs> I was that's like, wait, point. that's not very impressive. <laughs> Stressed for a second. (laughs) I coordinated that joke so well that it 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 landed exactly how I wanted. My head. (sighs) I still sometimes live in this delusion that I'm like capable of like important things, and then I remember (laughs) probably not. I think you're capable of important things. You did like four years of field work for your PhD. That's pretty important. And capable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also a PhD. Uh, that's not like, done what? yet. <laughs> we'll see how the rest of that goes. <laughs> no, I think I'm still digging my way out of this like two week little cave that I've lived in with this manuscript. So things are getting better. Oh, yeah. Do not. Woo. Do not envy that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you finished Woo. that. You finished Woo. that like Submitted yesterday. It last night. Ow, ow. Mm-hmm. Any grad students nice. out there who need to That's hear awesome. it, you I... can do it. I believe in all of you. Mm-hmm. Keep going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for our maybe for our non-academic listeners, you should talk slightly, a little bit about um, how long you've been writing this manuscript for. And yeah. All of that stuff. <laughs> Describe I think, the cave. The <laughs> like I don't think people know. I don't think people know how long mm-hmm. it takes to like do right. any well, science. Well, I feel like it really speaks to why it's like science that you read in journals is usually super valid because it's gone through this super rigorous process of peer review where it's being reviewed by scientists who are experts in the field of whatever paper you're writing. But yeah, so this paper, oh, I think I submitted mm-hmm. it the first time uh, around Christmas last year. So it's been undergoing review from various mm-hmm. reviewers and editors at the same journal. This was like the third major revision that it's gone through, which as a like as a writer can be really frustrating. But I think it has significantly improved with each revision that it's undergone. So that's exciting. And it's gotten better. And I've learned so much in the process, which is cool. Um, and someday when it gets accepted, it will be really super strong science, which is nice. But yeah. And you've been uh, working on it for how long? <laughs> So I started, I started my <laughs> PhD in the fall of 2016. <laughs> and then this paper had data from a long time ago too, right? Like, yeah. So mm-hmm. the data stretches back till well, I used data from 2000, but they actually started collecting data in like 1992 for this project. Wow, which is really cool. It's a really unique data set. This mm-hmm. project is 30 years in the making, is what I'm hearing. Yeah, dude, they started collecting yeah. data, like, before I was born. I think the very first surveys Same. took place in the late 80s. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Insane. Yeah, so it takes a long really fucking time to do science. Mm-hmm. It does. It does, especially to do science well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, which you have. And it's a huge accomplishment to submit a paper, I guess. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations. Woo, yeah. Thank you. Um do we, we should wanna... do an episode where we talk about our research. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Dude, actually that would be really cool. That might be fun. That would be cool. Ah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I love it. I miss it. Anyway. Mm-hmm. What was that, Kristen? I interrupted you, I'm sorry. Oh no, I was just gonna ask if I should start talking about boobies. <laughs> yeah. Fuck yeah. Yes, you should. <laughs> <laughs> are you ready for some boobies <laughs> now i am <laughs> let me tell you about boobies so <laughs> boobies <laughs> belong to the family Sulidae, which includes the boobies and a another group of birds called the gannets and so, okay so there's actually three genre uh, within the Sulidae family, but basically they're all like medium to large seabirds that are mostly coastal, and they all plunge dive for fish, which is badass, and we'll get into that. Um, we are mostly, or completely, maybe except for me, going to talk about the true boobies, or the genus Sula. There are six species in that genus. <laughs> 
And then there's one like fucking weirdo in the family. Maybe the black sheep. I don't know. I don't want to analyze. But uh, there's this bird called the Abbot's booby. Uh, which is it's just one species. It's in its own genus, which is called Papasula. And it seems to have split off. That's the best genus name. Yeah, right? It's a really good name. Uh, but it seems like they like split catchy. off from the other boobies before the boobies and the gannets <laughs> split, if you're like into cladograms and taxonomy and whatnot. It's super weird. It's so weird. It's not It's not my jam, but I think it's impressive. Evolution. Yeah, so a lot of that information comes from genetics work but there's also morphological and behavioral differences which means they look different and they do different shit basically do they also shit different i don't think so i guess i've never i've never seen a gannet shit but every booby that i've seen shits the same way and it's actually really impressive and i just realized that i wasn't going to talk about it but i think we should (laughs) okay tell us how they shit wait have you all seen a booby shit before Oh, no, do they like projectile? Yeah, yeah. They like, like stick their butts up in the air and they just like projectile poop into the air and it's really impressive. Oh my god. Nice. Uh, like yeah. how far? Well, I mean how far do they I shit? Mean, they'll get you if you're close by. <laughs> I mean what? I would say like at least a foot, if not more. Like they can shoot it pretty hard. It depends how much they have, but does it hurt when you get shot with no. booby shit? I mean, it's just warm I mean, and surprising. <laughs> but not like the good kind of warm surprise. Oh my god. Like the shitty kind. Yeah. <laughs> Pun intended. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so boobies. Uh, so Sula, the genus name for boobies, actually comes from Old Norse and Icelandic, which is cool. Um, and it was the word that they actually used to describe gannets, which is, like I just said, another member of the Sulidae family. But uh, I feel like the question that people always ask is, wh- why are they called boobies? And from what I've heard, it comes from the Spanish slang term bobo, which can mean clown or it can mean stupid. And it's basically because mm-hmm. these birds evolved on islands. They have like zero fear of humans. And so they used to just come and land on board like sailing ships like on the deck rails and then the sailors would just like catch them and eat them eat them (laughs) yeah Yeah, they're just real dumb (laughs) and they were like look at these dumb birds let's eat them uh and so yeah hence the name boobies i did not know that's where boobies came from yeah like the word for the bird boobies not that i don't know where human boobies come from why do we call them boobies on humans that's a whole nother episode jen i don't know it's not i have no idea i'm gonna look it up yeah i'm not really curious i wonder if it's like from the same root which kind of pisses me off a little bit (laughs) yeah seems a little patriarchal not into it Mm mm-hmm oh okay so it actually um there is a case for the word uh, coming from the Latin root word bebere, which means to drink. Because, mm. like, mm-hmm. yeah. Because that's what they're for. Yeah. Okay, that's um, acceptable. Or yes. it could be, like, onomatopoetic, like the sound of intense breast. Oh. But, oh. <laughs> I was really confused for a second. Like, are they supposed to be making noise? I was like, they don't normally make sounds unless you like smack them or something. But... You never, you never wake up to the sound of your boobs making the boob sound, Christine. <laughs> now I'm just imagining them as like little Pokemon that are like boob, 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 boob. <laughs> Unacceptable. Yeah. <laughs> I hate it a lot. <laughs> okay, I'm going to keep talking about boobies. So, <laughs> fun fact that I did not know before yeah. I Great. was researching this episode. The, nobody has even recovered yet. <laughs> um, <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm fine. 
I don't know what's wrong with the rest of you. Are your brains still jumping from body part I'm to body part? I'm just having a hard time with like, okay, I'm going to keep talking about boobies as like the getting off, like the sidetrack. I'm going to get us back on a fucking topic and continue talking about boobies. So they are, it turns out, they're most closely related to cormorants and anhingas, which I did not realize, which is kind of cool. Um, and hingas are mostly freshwater, and cormorants, like, they do, they, they mix mm. it up. They like freshwater and saltwater for the most part. Um, but okay, boobies are mainly tropical and subtropical, mm-hmm. although gannets can also be temperate. And they're usually coastal, which means they stay closer to shore rather than pelagic, which are birds like albatrosses and storm petrels that spend, like, basically their whole life at sea unless they're nesting. Um... All six booby species can be found in the Pacific, um, and there's really abundant colonies of many of the boobies on a lot of the Pacific islands, and it's kind of fun because they sometimes get blown off course by storms, and they end up in super weird places after they've, like, wandered the ocean for long amounts of time. Boobies have have long, narrow, pointed wings, which are good for diving, (laughs) and they're eyes are angled like much further forward than a lot of species of birds which gives them kind of wider binocular vision they have longish goofy looking bills that are usually kind of funky colors um typically with serrated edges towards the back and they can open their mouths like impressively wide to accommodate really huge fish i mean not like putu wide but like still pretty impressively Mm -hmm. wide Um, And they're kind of torpedo-shaped, like their bodies, which helps Mm -hmm. reduce drag and improves their diving abilities. And they look like that because all the species of boobies feed entirely at sea. So they eat mostly like mid-sized fish and marine invertebrates, um, like cephalopods, which are like octopi and shit. (laughs) And squids. Are squids cephalopods too? I'm I'm pretty sure squids are cephalopods. Yeah, seems legit. Wow. Booby hunting is the coolest. What a cool life. Yeah, right? It's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. So their typical hunting behavior is actually diving from midair into the ocean. So they'll plunge down into the water. They put their wings in this Mm -hmm. like really particular position that like makes them super aerodynamic. And they'll plunge into the water head first Mm -hmm. from as high as like 100 feet. And their size and speed will carry them sometimes really deep into the water. Like, they'll go to depths of up to, like, 30 feet, which is 10-ish meters. Um, Most dives are shallower than that. Most of them are, like, 6 to 12 feet. Um, And they're, like I said, they have that binocular vision. So they're visually hunting for small fish and squid that they see near the surface. And then, you know, plunge dive to find it. Wow. Yeah, if their prey manages to avoid them after their mm-hmm. first dive, they might give chase underwater, like using their legs and wings for like underwater swimming, which is kind of cute. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I wanted to talk about. God, that'd be the most startling thing as a fish. Right? <laughs> like, <laughs> have one of those like fall out of the sky and then start like swimming oh. towards you with its like <laughs> wings <laughs> everywhere. With their terrifying binocular vision, just like and staring you the scary- wide mouth yeah their jaw like, like yeah. unhinging at you <laughs> yeah it'd be scary yeah. mm-hmm. no doubt i would be horrified yeah. if i was a fish oh uh-huh. yeah mm-hmm. i want to talk about booby feet which i think are probably the best feet <laughs> in the whole animal kingdom <laughs> um so they are they have webbed feet like you know their toes like similar to like a duck what are you laughing at? I haven't even gotten to the good part yet. Oh, no! Just that amazing I, quote. I think just <laughs> booby feet. They're such what good feet. About booby feet. Uh, which are the best yeah, feet. I'm not, I'm not disagreeing. I'm just laughing at the phrase, I want to talk about booby feet. They're such good and useful feet. <laughs> And they're adorable. They're so fucking cute. You're right, you're right, you're right. Uh, Okay, so some species have brightly colored feet, which we're going to talk about, which are used for courtship displays. But I think the coolest thing is that, so for all of these booby species, they split incubation. So they lay it, like the female lays an egg, and then the male and female will both like split time incubating that egg. Usually it's like 12 hour shifts-ish. But... 
they don't have brood patches. So like a lot of songbirds have, they develop a brood patch during the breeding season, right? So they lose all their feathers where the egg is going to be. So it helps them get the heat from their body to the egg to keep it warm. But boobies don't have brood patches. They use their feet to incubate their eggs. So their feet become super vascularized and warm. And then they just like stick their little booby feet on top of their egg to incubate it. And it's the cutest (laughs) fucking thing I've ever seen in my whole life. Oh, that's adorable. That's so cool. And I do want to say, I think Kristen, correct me if I'm wrong. I think Kristen is the only one of us to have ever seen any boobies. Is that correct? Birds. Bird boobies. (laughs) Human boobies. Uh, Correct. Yes. Okay. I think all of us have seen human boobies at this point in our lives since we all have them. We're all at least 26 years old. So, yes. I also think we already established this in our, our tit podcast. <laughs> so, I think so I right, think now we know. <laughs> We're just reestablishing it. I don't know. Oh, okay. We've got some skippers who yeah. don't do things in <laughs> some order. Skippers. Yeah, there are some, you're right. Ashley, there are some people that are not into tits, but they really like boobies. <laughs> skippers they probably have to skip through the entire episode every time oh probably well, like, do you some people don't listen to podcasts in order like episode order sometimes they just like randomly listen mm-hmm. to whatever one mm-hmm. and those people so. are serial killers right okay i was thinking yeah it, I wasn't wait what <laughs> what you have to listen to them in order so that you yeah. know all of the like jokes and things because they inevitably yeah. come up in other episodes Right, like we could t- we could start talking about the swear jar or Mister Nasty right now, and you you haven't listened to those episodes. Oh boy, uh, you have no idea what we're talking about and why it's so mm-hmm. funny. Mm-hmm. Maya, I feel like there's a parallel between your podcast listening and your corn eating. Hazard, <laughs> 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 yeah. Maya, you don't listen to podcasts in episode order. I'm not a very linear person. <laughs> oh, didn't. Oh, Didn't no. um, someone tell you that once in a <laughs> a work meeting? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that I don't think linearly. <laughs> it's probably true. <laughs> I've I have received the same comment. I will say. <laughs> oh, so. maybe it was. I don't know. I know someone at one point. I yes, a work meeting and had someone tell them that. But. I've had several <laughs> several versions of that. <laughs> So it might be a little bit true. But yeah, no, I just kind of find a podcast and then randomly look at some things that like, you know, like the title that seems interesting and it might be in the middle or it might not be. And then I'm just a little bit confused. I will do that if it's like uh, more of an educational podcast, mm-hmm. like with Ologies or with uh, Behind the Bastards. I'll skip to whatever I think is going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. But overall, I listen Sequential. Oh my god, that reminds me. This is totally off topic, and you're probably gonna have to cut it. But I listened uh, to the Satanic Panic uh, behind the bastards episodes, <gasps> and they were so good. Oh, so good. Oh my uh, god. Do you know what? I grew up in those areas. Uh, like those areas that he talks about are areas that I know about because I grew up. Oh my wild. god, I haven't listened yet. Ah. Yeah. It was really good, and they draw a lot of I'm parallels stoked. between like QAnon too, and like I don't know all the stuff that's going on currently. Mm. It was like really good. Yeah. So the host of that was a war correspondent and covered like far right extremism in the Middle East and like in war zones and wow. territories. And then Charlottesville happened in the US and he was like, oh, fuck, I've seen this before. So, so then insane. he, yeah, so then he started this podcast and started like covering far right extremism in the United States. So boobies. Oh, yeah. Okay. So boobies. Uh, boobies breed colonially. And I just wanted to drop in there that if you ever have a chance to go to a booby colony, you should literally just drop anything that you're doing and you should go because it's fucking amazing. Um, Males usually choose the nest site and they build a nest. And I'm doing air quotes because they don't really build a very good nest. It's usually like a collection of like twigs, feathers and pebbles that they found. Um, and then they, like, sit there and defend it from other males and, like, steal each other's pebbles and all of the cute, like, colo- like colonial nesting bird things that happen. Um, and then <laughs> males will draw females in with special calls that are usually kind of whistly. 
Um, and then they do, depending on the species, there are two behaviors. One is called sky pointing, and then there's one called parading, which maybe other people are going to talk about, so I'm not going to really go into them, but they're real cute. <laughs> Um, maintain their pair bond by preening each other and by frequent copulation, which I think is very relatable. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> yep, that's fair. That's fair. No other comments. Uh, my experience, yeah, nothing else to say. Uh, so nest sites uh, are usually like just far enough apart that the birds can't reach each other when they're on their nests. Because they always, like, try to, like, peck at other birds as they walk past. Um, some boobies nest on the ground, like Nazcas, masked and brown boobies, and others nest in, like, small trees and shrubs, like red-footed boobies. Um, I worked in a colony of Nazca boobies for one field season, and bird that ground nest in colonies are kind of a shit show. Like, there's just kind of eggs everywhere. Um <laughs> And it's very disorganized, and like I said, they're just far enough apart that they don't peck each other, but so every time a bird is, like, walking past, it's getting pecked by, like, all of its neighbors, <sighs> and it might, like, accidentally kick its own egg out of its nest, or kick <sighs> a different booby's egg out of its nest. Um, but luckily, they lay two eggs, so it's okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, so sometimes, like, there was one bird that had made its nest, like, at the bottom of a hill. Mm-hmm. And by the end of the season, it ended up with, like, six eggs because eggs just kept rolling down the hill and it was just trying to sit on all Aww. of them. Aww. Was it little feet? <laughs> it was kind of cute, but its little feet couldn't warm up six Aww. eggs, so. Aww. <laughs> little buddy. Yeah. That's so sweet. Yeah. yeah. It's just like, I don't know how I got all of these eggs, but I'm going yeah. to try, try and do the, <laughs> the parent thing. I'll do my best. I can just imagine it. Yeah, like every time another egg rolls down the hill, it's like, well, I guess there's another one. Mm-hmm. Can they count at all? Does anyone know? I doubt it. Apparently not. <laughs> well, it could just be really, uh, really generous, <laughs> really welcoming. Yeah, they could be. Or I just confused. It's more of a, like, yeah, I think it's probably mostly confused. Mm-hmm. and like the urge do you suppose it's like yeah like strong. broody chickens right like a broody chicken will just incubate or brood whatever it'll be like yeah kitten mm-hmm. duckling puppy dog <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> all mine i sit and i brood them <laughs> yes. and you will not take them away from me <laughs> no you will not just like i don't know i have to i just have to do it <laughs> The crazy eyes there for a second. Like, I have to. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty much mostly what I had. Just basically everyone loves boobies because they're super charismatic and they're super goofy. And like I said, they evolved on islands with few predators. They're not really that afraid of humans. Um, So they're pretty cool, fun birds. Although some research is apparently showing that they're learning fear of humans. Uh, mm. and like starting to nest mm-hmm. further from tourist trails and things like that but mm. yeah, that's kind of depressing at a later time you yeah. know like i know like there's a lot about humans that's depressing but the fact that we're teaching animals fear is like <laughs> ooh, mm-hmm. that's not yeah. great that's fair there's all kinds of interesting animal behaviors that are changing in response to human activities like some birds are apparently getting more nocturnal to try to avoid humans. yeah it's wild right mm-hmm. huh. that's really cool and some birds are like changing their songs not necessarily the mm-hmm. pattern of their songs but like the frequency and pitch mm-hmm. and like when they mm-hmm. sing because humans make a ton of noise all the time now and mm-hmm. sometimes their songs don't carry the way that they used to. So, Don't build um, them like they used to. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Is that all you had, Kristen? Yeah, dude. Sorry. Booby 101, you're all now booby experts. Congratulations. Amazing. <laughs> okay. Never well, then should we move on to yet. different kinds of boobies? <laughs> yeah. This can also be a three-part episode. It doesn't have to be two. It can be three parts. It can be as many parts as we want it to be. Exactly. We could just continue 
the topic of boobies like until quarantine ends <laughs> like that could yeah. be an oh, option oh yeah absolutely <laughs> <laughs> i believe in us like i think we can do it <laughs> i think we can do it <laughs> be like august <laughs> episode 35 <laughs> just temporarily change the name to the boobies podcast <laughs> i think we would get a, a very different fast. following. You're, you're right. We would get a lot of listeners. Real. It would be very confusing for them. I think probably for everyone, yeah. us included. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, okay. yes, we should move on to the species. Okay. Um, I'll start us off then with the blue-footed boobie, which is maybe the one people are most familiar with, just sort of like generally. I remember learning about blue-footed boobies when I was a kid watching, like, a National Geographic, like, you know, documentary or something. And I was just mm-hmm. like, that's a funny name because I was, like, 10. <laughs> but... <laughs> Unlike now when you see it and you're not, like, that's a funny name, apparently. <laughs> Ashley grew out of it, unlike the rest of us. <laughs> Clearly. True. Wait, okay. no. But Ashley, do you still think it's a funny name? Yeah, yeah, I do. Oh, good. Okay, so you did not grow <laughs> out of it. Yeah, it's still a funny name. Um, so, like Kristen said, they're a marine bird found in subtropical and tropical regions in the eastern Pacific Ocean. Um, and it's one of the six species in the genus Sula. Um, as the name implies, it does indeed have blue feet uh, they're like bright almost neon blue um, and it's a sexually selected trait so the males will display their bright blue feet in this like really elaborate mating ritual to try and attract the females um, and so they'll like lift their feet up and <laughs> down and strut in front of the female um, <laughs> It sounds really silly, and I think I I think I've seen a video of it, and it looks really silly because they're just like yeah. picking their feet up and like holding them up. Yeah, they're like, <laughs> like, just showing. And... Yeah, yeah. like check my kicks. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, oh my god, I love the word strut. <laughs> yes, this is the parade it's behavior very apt. I was talking yeah, it about. Is. <laughs> so that's the oh, scientific oh, nice. term. It's a parade. A booby parade. Mm-hmm. Parade of boobies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going off of what's in the Wikipedia about it. So I'm sure that it may not be the most scientifically accurate, but I was researching Ayo. this five minutes before we started. So, hey, <laughs> same. Um, mm-hmm, the same. blue color of the blue-footed boobies feet comes from carotenoid pigments, uh, which is obtained from its diet of fish. Um, so these pigments, uh, carotenoids act as antioxidants and stimulants for the immune system of blue-footed boobies. Um, so it can be it's suggested that the carotenoid pigment is an indicator of their, basically their like uh, immune system's health. So if you have really bright blue feet, then you have a strong immune system, and that obviously means you can get a lot of fish with these pigments in them. Um, um, oh, <laughs> I misread this sentence. Uh, the sentence reads, boobies that were experimentally food-deprived for 48 hours um, had decreased foot brightness. Wow. The way I originally read it in my brain was boobies that were experimentally <laughs> foot deprived. I thought they cut their feet off, and I was just like, that's a horrible so. experiment. That's also such a fucked up way to say that. Little booby socks to cover their blue feet. <laughs> so oh. <laughs> They just took away their food for 48 hours. Okay. That's really fast, oh, though, to main. show a difference in your foot like, color. That's impressive. Yeah, that's really so cool. this also suggests that the feet are basically a like, rapid but also honest indicator of 
an individual's current like level of nourishment mm-hmm. because it changes so quickly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so if I if you're like you know the female that this bird is trying to impress, um, you get an actual true piece of information about this bird. Like they can't mm-hmm. bluff that they haven't eaten in a day or two days mm-hmm. or something. They can't mm-hmm. fake it. Um, but like how okay if you here's here's my only thing if you're trying to mate right if you're trying to like mm-hmm. acquire a mate a lifelong mate that takes a lot of time so you can't be fishing all day and like eating all the fish out there and trying to get a mate full-time like that's two full-time things you gotta mm-hmm. do it all man you gotta do it all to get a mate yeah. <laughs> i all think right. a lot of it all is right. like a lot of pressure proving that you're a good enough fisherman to like be a good dad for the chick because it's like it's eventually the yeah. both parents are like constantly at sea trying to get mm-hmm. enough food for the little little babe little babe in the nest so here's the deal is i was just thinking of a funny image of a booby being like wow i had a really hard day at the fish office <laughs> <laughs> working on fish sales and now I have to go on a date after I've worked a 10-hour shift. And you just made it real. I'm that sorry. makes me sad. Now I'm imagining a little booby in a little, like, booby business, like, <laughs> fucking going it's out like to the fish office. Briefcase? <laughs> at a time? Yeah! Yeah, off to the oh, fish market! Oh, oh my god. <laughs> so they have blue feet because they eat things that give them blue colors and look good um, in a business suit the unscient the unscientific explanation <laughs> um but but the blue color like the brightness of the feet decreases oh. with age so females tend to mate with younger mm. males because younger males have brighter feet and have mm. higher fertility and they can provide better parental care than older males um, Interesting. That makes yeah. sense. Smart. And foot color of the adult males reflects paternal contribution. So they did this like cross fostering experiment where they took um, chicks from a nest with a male that had pale like pale feet and put them in the nest of a male that had bright feet. And basically, um, that's a way to like see if it is sort of like genetic contribution or if it's actually just the amount of food that the parents can bring back um Mm -hmm. so basically the chicks that they took from the pale colored (laughs) male and put in the brightly colored male's nest um they let's see grew faster than the chicks raised by the male that had pale colored feet Mm. um yeah Mm. and Females continuously evaluate their partner's foot You color. never off the hook. Whoa. <laughs> hey, baby, let me inspect your feet today. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Wow. Um, yeah, and so, like, if the female has already laid an egg and then the male's feet start to turn dull, the female will basically lay smaller oh, eggs after honey. that. Um, oh. Basically, like, a reduced investment in the second egg. She's like, he's not going to be able uh, to help out, so that's I'm so not going to invest as much in this other egg either. Um, Whoa. Hey, baby, let yeah. me see your feet today. Ah, not up to snuff. Not going to have any more <laughs> Going to lay one of those Sorry. little eggs. <laughs> 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 this is brutal. Oh, my God. It's so wild. It's- that's crazy. The drama. The ultimate, like, <laughs> yeah, right? The ultimate, like, foot fetish drama. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. Also, that they nest so close anyone, to each but... other. I'm just imagining the neighbors watching this, like, ooh, <laughs> Did you see his feet today? Yeah. They're so pale. <laughs> his feet looking good today. <laughs> <laughs> But it goes two ways. So the males will also assess the quality of the females that they're um, paired with. They'll basically assess the female's reproductive value um, and adjust their own investment in the eggs and chicks. 
according to their uh, mate. So females to lay bigger at brighter colored eggs, or just like brighter in general, they're sort of like whitish, off-white colored, but if they're brighter, they're in better condition. And so mm. that means that the female is like has greater reproductive value, basically. She can lay better quality eggs. Um, so the males will be more attentive and provide more parental care to the larger eggs. Mm. Since they were produced by a female that had better genes, basically. Mm. Um, smaller, duller eggs get less parental care uh, from the dads. Um, and then female foot color is also an indication of female condition. Males that were paired with females with brightly colored feet basically invested the same sort of care to large and small eggs, but if the male is paired with a female that has um, dull feet, then basically he'll only care for the big eggs. Hmm. So is this also, does it also change, like, the amount of fishing time that the males are doing during the incubation and chick rearing portions? Or is it mostly just, like, like what you said, like, which eggs are being paid attention to? No, you I'm know? not sure. They didn't say that in here. Okay. But that's a good question. Um, a curious brain. Yeah. <laughs> So many questions. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, let's see. They eat fish. Then uh, the ocean lunch dive. Like badasses. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're monogamous, um, although sometimes they have been shown to also be bigamous. Mm-hmm. Um, Can't drama. resist those bright blue feet. <laughs> We <laughs> talked about their courtship already, where the male shows off his feet. Um, they also do some sky pointing um, and showing off some nesting materials. Ooh, <laughs> that's always good. That's so cute. It's so cute. <laughs> the male, the male Nazcas would like hit their mates with like sticks and stuff because they're like, "Look at this cool stick that I found," <laughs> and then like drop it in the nest. That's adorable. God, I always just picture this. Like, I know it's really, like, anthropomorphizing, but, like, in human terms, like, what if there were just, like, people running around the streets with, like, a window? And like, I'm going to put this in my house. Like, does everyone see this window? I'm for you. It's a fucking window. <laughs> Look at this two by four. Oh, my God. It's so accurate. Let me show you how strong it is. <laughs> when John found the couch. And then just, like, bonking. Yeah, just, like, bonk on the head <laughs> yes. with it. No, when John found the couch <laughs> that we have in our living room now, he found it on the curb uh, during, like, hippie Christmas, mm-hmm. which is the best time of year when everyone moves out of their apartments. But yeah, he definitely, like, yeah. was sending me pictures when I was in California doing field work. I'm like, look at this couch that I found. And I was like, ooh, you nesting. <laughs> That's good. That's adorable. <laughs> oh, We're not so different. Uh, no, we're no, not. No, not at all. Everybody wants a nice house. <laughs> I just, I want to be hit with the two by four that's going to build it first so I know it's strong. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so Jack cute. Is adorable. <laughs> oh. uh, okay. Yeah, so Kristen oh. already said that they lay like two to three eggs. Um, about four to five days apart, and in, like, songbirds, if this happens, like, they will lay an egg, not, they won't lay all their eggs on the same day, they'll lay them on different days, but then songbirds will, like, won't start incubating them until the last egg is laid, so that they all hatch at the same time, right? Hmm. But oobies don't do that. They start incubating them um, when the first egg is laid, and so... Hmm. The eggs hatch at different times, which means that the chicks are different sizes as they grow up, um, because one hatches like four days before the next one. Um, 
parents share parental responsibilities. They incubate the eggs with their feetsies. Um, <laughs> which I think is the cutest thing. That is so uh, cute! Let's see. Um, at first, the male will provide food for the chicks, for like the first part of the um, when they're like nestlings. And then the female will take over when the demand is higher. Uh, basically, how they feed chicks is they regurgitate fish um, into their mouth, and the chicks over like get it out of their mouth. Um, <laughs> and if they don't have enough food to feed all of the chicks, they'll only feed the biggest one, um, which basically ensures that the biggest, best one will survive. Mm. Not all fun and games in booby land. Yeah, um, only if you're the biggest booby. Boobies are <laughs> sexually dimorphic. Um, the female chicks tend to um, grow faster than the males, uh, but like they're not different really in size when they're nestlings, unless one hatches before the other one, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, basically, the uh, adult females will. Uh, allocate different levels of parental investment based on um, basically the sex of the chick and if there's food scarcity or not. Mm-hmm. Um, because basically she wants to be able to maximize her lifetime reproductive success. So how many chicks over her lifetime can she successfully raise to be independent and grow up to be adults? Um, so female chicks... Um, during times of food scarcity are more strongly affected than their brothers. So basically they'll have lower body masses and shorter wing lengths than the males. Mm -hmm. Same mass. Regardless of hatch day? Yeah, I think so. So even if the female chick is born is hatched earlier then the male chicks might have longer Mm-hmm. wings and legs huh. and things. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know that. I just assumed it was the first one was the one that made it. Same. Yeah, yeah. there's this whole like area of breeding ecology about like how the different adult sexes will invest in different members of the brood based on like sex and huh. weight, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. It's all very interesting mm-hmm. and I don't know a lot about it, but there's people that study that and yeah. to some interesting so things. Cool. Um, um, this is sort of weird. Uh, fledglings are more likely to become reproductive adults if one of their parents is old and one of them is young. They don't know why, oh. but nestlings huh. with different aged parents are less infected by ticks huh. than nestlings with mm. parents of a similar age. I don't know why. They don't. Huh. Yeah. I mean, the, and it doesn't matter which one is old and which one is young. That's huh. really. I mean, the only thing I can yeah. think of is huh. like experience, but I don't know why that would affect ticks because I've yeah. never seen an yeah. adult booby pick a tick off <laughs> of a chick. Right? Yeah. Huh. Anyways. That's wild. A little interesting little nugget. Uh, mysteries. What else? Booby mysteries. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> like I said, they have asynchronous hatching, um, but this might also reduce sibling rivalry. However, uh, blue-footed boobies have this thing called siblicide. No. Yeah, they do. It's terrible. <laughs> so, basically, blue-footed booby chicks do something called facultative siblicide, Siblicide, which is opting to cause the death of a sibling based on environmental conditions. Mm. So basically, the first chick to hatch will kill the younger second chick if food is scarce. Hmm. Wait, so Ashley, will the older chick actually directly kill the younger chick? Mm -hmm. Do you know? Yeah, so the older chick will... Um, attack the second chick by pecking at it, like, really mm-hmm. viciously. Or they might just drag it by the neck out of the nest. 
Oh my god. Yeah. Damn. Um, and basically the parents just sort of passively watch this happen. Um, they don't <laughs> intervene at all. And so, yeah. Um, sometimes the parents even seem to facilitate this happening um, by sort of creating and maintaining the inequality between the two chicks. Um, so basically they reinforce the brood hierarchy by feeding the um, dominant older chick before the younger one. So if there is food scarcity, the older one's going to get more of the food that the parents bring back. So this might be, it might be advantageous for the parents, though, because, like, the second egg is sort of, like, the insurance egg, in a sense. Um, basically, like, if the first egg doesn't hatch for whatever reason, um, or if food is, like, really abundant that year, then the second egg is back up if the first one doesn't hatch or if food's really abundant then they think hey we can raise two chicks this year but if it's just normal or scarce then at least we still get one mm-hmm. um, I have a question Ashley mm-hmm. will the first chick only go through this process of siblicide if environmental conditions are bad then because you said facultative yeah, so that has to be triggered um, by like something is what it sounds like yeah it's if there's food shortage um, okay. And basically, it's like chronic food shortage. Um, so they did some experiments where they uh, sort of like restricted chicks from being able to ingest food. And basically, when the weight of the dominant chick drops by like 20 to 25%, then it will start um, pecking the sibling. It's also more common in younger broods for the pecking to happen. Uh, Like, three times more pecking happens with broods that are less than six weeks old. And they think because by the time that, like, all of the chicks are six weeks old, the subordinate one can sort of be like, hey, stop that. Mm. But, um... Big enough to defend itself. Yeah, a little bit. Wow. But, like... Other than the side, like the fierce little booby chicks are kind of adorable so to think cute. about. <laughs> so cute. Oh my god. Just yeah. really disgruntled and fluffy and awkward. <laughs> yeah. Jen, to get back to your question though, like if there's like short term food shortages, um mm-hmm. the older sibling can't like can re- um reduce its food intake moderately to sort of like um so that there's you know still some that's going to the younger chicks but if this food shortage lasts for longer then it'll trigger the the, yeah Mm -hmm. basically the effects of these food hierarchies though um oh this says no long-term effects but uh this one they also say that the subordinate chicks were often observed producing nests of their own before dominant siblings. So, sort of interesting. Um, (laughs) Let's see. What else about blue-footed boobies? Um, What do they sound like? They make raucous, polysyllabic grunts or shouts and thin whistling noises. Um, Grunts or shouts? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I love that. <laughs> um, and and they can the males can recognize each other by their calls and pairs uh the individuals in a pair can recognize their own mates so they're not Aww. like if one goes out to fish and comes back then it's like they can call to each other Aww. and be like hey I'm over here they're not just going to go like some random <laughs> nest. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably good. <laughs> Kenneth yeah. Kenneth! <laughs> Kenneth! No! <laughs> Kenneth, that's that's Marie. I'm over here. Kenneth! <laughs> I'm right here! <laughs> what? <laughs> Kenneth, you dipshit! Get your feathery ass over here! <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess the only other thing I had was that the population of blue-footed boobies is declining um, and it's suspected that this is a long-term decline and mostly related to declines 
in sardine populations. Um, sardines make up a large part of their diet, and so if there's not enough sardines, then they can't uh, you know, provide for them themselves and chicks, basically, and the population is going to decline. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. We said a baby stuff. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, oh, boy. So we hope you enjoyed our episode about boobies and blue-footed boobies. <laughs> um, Good work, team. We are team. super on track, and that's why we only covered two of the four things we had planned on covering today. Glass is half full, you know? <laughs> half full. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, oh, gosh. Okay. <sighs> All right. Um, so we hope you enjoyed our episode. I have some shout outs from Twitter. All of these are from Twitter. Um, we are thankful to um, Birdwatching Asia or at Birdwatching MY. We are also so thankful again to have uh, Birdloge de la Mondo or at Birdnomoge, um, The Bush Girl or at Faith Trudy One. Bar Room Movies, or at Room Movies, um, Bardicos and Bardicos, or at V Bardicos on Twitter. Buscando Fauna, our friend, at Buscando Fauna. We also have Hike With Us AZ, or at Hike With Us AZ. Um, a Book and Its Author, or at Its underscore Author, which is a podcast about books with an author. Uh, the Ontario Piper, the Ontario Piping Clover Conservation Program. Again, thank you so much. Um, <laughs> that is not their Twitter handle. Book. I don't know how Twitter works. <laughs> Dude, same. It's not their Twitter. I think it's. Uh, I think it's at uh, Ontario Plover um, on Twitter. I'll maybe confirm that yeah, later. Yeah, it's at Ontario um, Plovers. <laughs> oh, at Ontario Plovers on Twitter. Sorry, yeah. thank you, Ashley, for saving my butt. Uh, uh, <laughs> the Pele Eigen, the Pele Island Bird Observatory, uh, or at Pele Island Bird mm. Midwest Camping, Camping Midwest, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, or at USFWS. Um, we also have a shout out to Abby Medcalf at Abby Thriving, uh, Crime Lore, at Crime Lore 1, a podcast what? about crime, a n- podcast what? about crime, which uh, we love. Did they hear about the bird murder? <laughs> I hope so. Uh, they uh, really liked, uh, <laughs> I replied to someone describing what our uh, last episode was about. Uh, uh, they liked that. So. Nice. Very nice. I'm sure it was the corn on the cob that got them. You're you're killing it. Uh, we're gonna have to stop doing so many shout outs per episode because it's taking a long time. So you better do it. You better interact with us consistently, and I will still give you a shout out. Um, so uh, we have another to send one for us your bird poop pics. I know they do. Bird send poop that bird looks poop like pic. other things. Oh yeah, I have a few more. Um. Strange by Nature podcast or at strange underscore nat underscore pod. The Lonely 30 podcast or at the Lonely 30 pod one. Uh, D. Colucci 9. Me? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> You're the only one here. The rest of us are soon to follow. It's about being lonely. And <laughs> You're not lonely. I'm just kidding. I'm not actually John lonely. And but us and I am 30. Milo and Charlie. And your sister and her menagerie. We are all lonely in quarantine. We're all lonely True. together. Um, David D. Colucci Niner at David Plaza on Twitter. Hey, Again. hey, 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 we have a new follower. We Maya. do? Who's our new follower? Oh, yeah, we have a new follower. It's at Maya Pershy. <laughs> hey, oh. It's Dude, about time. Twitter's about confusing time. as hell. Oh, my God. <laughs> um. So yes, and Maya Pershy or at M Pershy on Twitter. We know um, that person. We know that person. Yeah, we I, do. I, Ashley Ola and Kristen Bronk also deserve mentions, but they're on this podcast too. So <laughs> we also know those people. Yeah, it's cool. So thank. I do like nothing on Twitter yeah. anyway. <laughs> Me either. I don't even have my own account. So, um, so thank you everyone for 
checking us out on Twitter. Thanks for retweeting us, for liking our tweets, for telling your friends about the show. We very much appreciate it. Um, it's wonderful. And if you want more shout-outs, you should probably interact with us a lot. Mm-hmm. And send us your bird yes, poop. please. Send us your bird poop pics and your bird poop puns. We need them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or if you just, still like, in the process. Desperately. Take some crappy bird pictures from your back window. Yeah. Literally. Mm, I mean, literally. Look at those too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All I interpretations mean, of that. I took a crappy picture of a cooper sack in my yard with my phone yes. through my window. It was real bad. It was a, but it was had a, good, picture. It was a good picture. Yeah. Oh yeah, send us your your bird ID questions too. We live for that. <gasps> Please mm-hmm. do it. Yep. And who wants to talk about where they can find us on social media? Uh, you can find us at. Uh, <laughs> I don't volunteer. At <laughs> on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. And then our website is blacktailhour.com. Nice. And we have a Gmail blacktailspodcast at gmail.com. Yes. Uh, and we have merch on Threadless. Mm-hmm. We do. Which you can There's some... find the link for it on our website, or you can just go to Threadless and search <laughs> Clocktail Hour. Um, <laughs> Wait, Kristen, what is going on? Nothing. This is just such an ordeal. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Every week. You'd think we'd eventually get our shit together, but we never do. I have it written down somewhere, and I just never put it It wouldn't up. even be fun no, if we did. It's always just a panic. <laughs> do you know, I have to, I feel like I have to confess something on microphone to you all. I know exactly what all of our things are, no, but it's way no, more you fun. Don't. Okay, I feel like whenever I'm like asked what the hell any of these are, or like, or this part of the episode reminds me of like when you're sledding, you know, and you're like at the edge of the hill, and you're like, oh my god, we're going for it, we're going, we're going, and then you're just all of a sudden into it, and someone's like, what's our Twitter handle, and you're like, oh my god. <laughs> so, but okay, so here's the deal. I know all of this going into it, but it's just really fun <laughs> to watch the scramble. The pain <laughs> and confusion. <laughs> because it's kind of like, you know when you see a little kid? <laughs> see, I just, I have them all logged in because I do, like, all of the social media. So I don't even, like, think about what they are. I just know that I can control them. tiny pothole before the tree and like the training wheel on the bike gets stuck right in the pothole and you're like no and there's like I feel like the parrot that's just like standing off to the side like well they're too far away now I can't do anything to help them so they're just gonna hit the tree if they decide to hit the tree you're the one narrating it on the home video (laughs) I'm just standing by with my phone like an ass Parent, I heard parrot like 
a bird. And I was confused oh. why there was a parrot standing on the Same side thing. watching this child bicycling. Same thing, the parrot would laugh. <laughs> it would be better if it was narrated by a parrot. Almost definitely. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Is that all the things? Oh, check out our episode content. Yeah, Kirsten oh. spends a lot of time on it, and it's amazing mm-hmm. and hilarious. And we spend it's a lot of time good. talking into our microphones for you to listen to. Yep. Mm-hmm. We sure yeah, do. Listen to our shit. And Jen spends mm-hmm. a lot of time editing it all together. No, and making it just... coherent. <laughs> this is not gonna be coherent. I just need you to know that right now. I'm leaving in that whole thing about how it's a fucking train wreck every no. week. <laughs> I mean, if they listen that long, good for them. Honestly, yeah, I feel like they know say... already. Like they're also the parents who are like, yeah, okay, just say like the Twitter handle, like say your email, like we all know it. <laughs> <laughs> all of our listeners know all of our shit yeah. and they're like god i can't believe they can't get their shit together uh, oh my god oh we should probably sign off yeah we yeah. should yeah. <laughs> thanks for listening to this train wreck of a podcast <laughs> oh oh loyal listeners we love you it's a happy little dumpster fire <laughs> yeah, yeah, happy little dumpster those, fire <laughs> Different disaster. Uh, yeah. We need a different one. Yeah. <laughs> New yeah. week, same disaster. <laughs> it's a better disaster, though, because Trump's not president anymore. Yes. Uh, just, so, so, like, instead of a dumpster fire, it's just, like, a waste paper basket fire. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so true. All the dumpster fires got so much better this week. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Everywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh. Okay. Oh, shit. Anyway, <laughs> Kristen, you gotta take us out, girl. Uh, yeah. Here we go. Uh, thanks for listening. I'm Kristen Frunk. I'm Ashley Ola. I'm Jen Snyderman. And I'm Maya Percy. Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>